This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I started last week. I told you that I had, um, I had three series that um, the Lord had given me uh, that I was calling Living Inside Out. Everybody say, Living Inside Out. And we talk, we're talking about how it's what's on the inside that really matters, right? We've heard that our whole lives, but we know that it's what's on the inside that really matters. Last week, I mentioned a couple things. How many of you remember getting that birthday card from your grandparents that had the crisp $20 bill that would fall out of it as soon as you opened it? Who cares what the card says? I just want my 20 bucks, right? It's what's on the inside that counts. We talked about how when you're hungry and you run to the refrigerator, it's great to have a refrigerator, but if it's empty, who cares? right? It's what's on the inside that counts. And then we last talked about our vehicles, how it's really good to have gas in our car. Without it, we don't generally go anywhere, right? It's what's on the inside that counts. And so over the next few messages, we're going to talk about the things that are inside of us and what comes out of us. And so I told you that these first four messages in this first series, I'm calling what? You're full of it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're full of it. No, no, you need to say it with some attitude. You full of it. No. You're so full of it. Real quick, last week I just gave you two things, two things we mentioned. Firstly, I mentioned that every human being lives from the inside out. What's inside of us comes out. The Pharisees tried to corner Jesus. Why didn't your disciples, why didn't they wash their hands? And Jesus mentions in Matthew, um, I think chapter 17, he says, uh, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Because out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. It's not whether they wash their hands or not, right? What do we learn from this? That what's in our heart eventually comes out through our mouth and through our actions. And we talked about how only what's already inside of us can come out. How many of you have been surprised at what's come out of you sometimes? Yeah? Y'all lying. Sometimes something comes out of you and you go, why did I do that? Why did I say that? It was already inside of there, wasn't it? We talked about how Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And I ended yesterday uh, or last week by asking, what have you filled yourself with? We talked about how these things come out of us when either we get comfortable and our little facade begins to break down or we get squeezed. How many of you know we get squeezed in life? The pressure, it's not if you get squeezed. You will be squeezed in life. The pressure will be on. And the question is, what is going to come out of you in that moment? To answer that question, you got to know what's inside of there, right? So, uh, oh, and I ended by talking about no human can tame the tongue. The Bible's real clear on that, but the tongue is simply the mouthpiece of the heart. So what comes out of our mouth is just a picture of our heart. So as we continue in talking about this, like I say, we're going to build each week, uh, just kind of starting with the foundation. What is it that is naturally within every human heart from the day that we're born? I was thinking about this for just a moment. What is naturally within every human heart from the moment that we're born? Self. Self. Selfishness. Every negative thing that comes out of us is rooted in self. Think about it. I started making a list. Anger, rage, abuse, pride, 
manipulation, materialism, presumption, neglect, arrogance, humiliation, self-entitlement, being self-absorbed, being a know-it-all. It's all self, isn't it? Every single thing. And how many of you can admit that all of us combat this in our hearts and in our lives? This is something we have to be on guard against, right? Because it naturally tries to come forth from our flesh. Yeah, am I the only one? I looked at the word selfish just to see what the dictionary said. It said, devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, etc., regardless of others. Characterized by or manifesting concern or care only for oneself. Let me smile. <laughs> Every picture that's taken of me that goes online is terrible. Check Facebook at people's goofy pictures they put up of me. <laughs> but guys, selfishness. Don't we love self-consumed people? Aren't they just a joy to hang around? Think about it. Yeah, you, everybody's got somebody in mind. That you just, oh man, I hate, just, oh, I hate being around them. Oh gosh. Because they're so self-absorbed. I started thinking about these kind of people. They're always defensive. Many times full of drama. Everything is about them. They act like the whole world revolves around them. They dominate the conversation. They always have to one-up everybody. They tend to think they're superior to everybody else. They think they don't have to be held to the same standard as everybody else. They use relationships to get what they want. Aren't those people fun? But we've all been there in some kind of minor ways, haven't we? We've all struggled with some of these things sometimes in our lives. Many times these people tend to think that their way is the only way. They are right and the rest of the world is wrong. We all deal with selfishness on some level. Self says things like, likes to begin sentences with things like, I just want, or I deserve, or I have the right. You ever been accused of saying I a little too much at some point in your life? Maybe I'm too busy, I'm too Tired. I, 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 I. It's always consumed with I. And let me say, I believe it's truly impossible to be effective for God with this mindset. I believe that it is holding many of us back in life because we are so self-consumed. Why is it impossible to be effective for God with this mindset? Because it is absolutely the opposite of his heart and his nature and his character. It runs contrary to the mission that we were created to accomplish on this earth. So why are humans so selfish? That's the question. I had a conversation about two weeks ago with a guy. He's, a, he's an elder in his church. And we were having this conversation about the selfishness of people. And he told me that he was talking to a, uh, to a church member uh, recently, and they were talking about this same kind of thing. And he talked about how humanity is born selfish. And this person, this church member he was talking to, totally disagreed and said, no, selfishness is learned. And I thought, selfishness is learned? 
I never had to teach my kids to be selfish. I don't agree. I, I believe we're born thinking about self. Anybody got small children in here? As babies, we learn to cry and scream to get what we want. Now, I'm not saying our babies are in sin. Obviously, they can't communicate another way, right? But they learn to associate screaming with what I want, right? What are the first words a child learns? Usually it's no, or mine, or even please. And we think they're saying please because they're just so passionate about being courteous and polite. No, they've been taught well that they're only going to get what they want when they're courteous and polite. So they may not initially be saying it with that motivation in their heart. Really, they're just trying to get what they want. Please, please. right? I don't know about you, but I didn't have to teach my children to do wrong. I had to teach them to do right. Didn't have to teach them to be selfish. Had to teach them to be selfless. We are born selfish. I got three points for you today. And as always, in your service guide, you should have gotten a note sheet. And I thank my wife for picking those up because I never did cut them and get them ready yesterday. And I went to early this morning trying to do that, and she had it done. She's awesome. Uh, but follow along in your note sheet. You can fill in the blanks, or um, you can uh, follow along on the YouVersion Bible app as well. If you go to more and go to events, you will, uh, you will find it there. But I'm going to give you three points today about the selfishness of humanity. So number one, we ready? Number one, selfishness is not unique to humanity. This just came to me a couple of days ago. When we talk about being selfish... As human beings, we still think it's all about us. We're selfish about selfishness. Selfishness is not unique to humanity. So we can start by looking at the animal kingdom, right? Look at animals. Sometimes we can see love and devotion and even empathy in the animal kingdom, right? But generally... They care the most about one individual, right? They will do whatever it takes to survive. Self comes first, almost always in the animal kingdom. Y'all agree? It's about doing what needs to be done to live another day. We've all heard survival of the fittest, right? Survival of the fittest is all about me. Evolutionists see mankind as just another animal. And with that train of thought, we fall into exactly the same boat. But what about if we go back in the Bible and we go back further? What about the angels? Angels have free will? Well, we look at the angel Lucifer, right? Lucifer. We know that the story of his fall is mentioned in two Old Testament chapters, in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. And we're going to start there in Isaiah chapter 14. So if you want to turn to it, you can, or, um, or follow along on the screen. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid found the nations low. You said in your what? In your heart. What's the next word? 
I will descend to heaven above the stars of God. What's the next word? I will set my throne on high. What's the next word? I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. What's the next word? Will ascend to the heights of the clouds. And lastly, will make myself like the most high. Anybody notice the word I in there a few times? We know that Lucifer was an honored angel. He was a cherub. And the Bible says that he was perfect in beauty. He was full of wisdom. It says that he was admitted to the holy mountain of God where he walked amidst the stones of fire. I don't know what that is, but that sounds cool. His ways were perfect, and God gave him the work of covering and also anointed him to do what he was called to do. But we know that who knows how long Lucifer existed, but sometime through the eons, he found that he wasn't satisfied. We don't know actually exactly what sparked that, but he became envious of God. The Bible says he became prideful because of his beauty. Man. It says he corrupted his wisdom because of his brightness. He must have been awesome to behold. If he became prideful because of his beauty and he corrupted his wisdom because of his brightness. And he basically decides upon this course that he hoped would make him equal to God. And he actually says, I am a God. I will sit in the seat of God. How many of you know, that's pretty much all about self. That's pretty arrogant. And this is who knows how long before humanity ever existed. So we know that pride and selfishness is nothing new. Selfishness is about self-love. It puts others before it, I'm sorry, it puts self before others. The Bible describes it in 1 John 2, 6. It says, for all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And y'all know other versions say the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many of you can agree that those three, three things describe self? Theologians generally hold to the idea that sin in its, in its essence is selfishness. Sin in its essential nature is selfishness. Why do we sin? Because we're selfish. Selfishness is the very essence of sin, and it didn't begin with human beings. It's a potential condition that existed far long before humanity, and I would go as far as to say it, it has had the potential of being there for all of eternity. And we're going to talk more about that. But number two, y'all ready? Number two, where does selfishness come from? Selfishness is a byproduct of free will. Man, we love that word. It's an answer to a lot of things, isn't it? Free will. I don't know how many of y'all are like me, but I have thought many times in my life, God, just make me love you with all that I am. Just, just please take over. I don't care. Make me into a robot. Take away all my selfishness. He won't do it. He won't do it. That's not love. Love comes through the freedom of choice. 
We choose to love. In order to choose, we have to have the ability to choose otherwise. Or it's not choice, right? If we can't choose anything else. So you're saying that God gave me the ability to sin? Absolutely. God made what he created, set this up in a way that I could potentially be selfish? Absolutely. Yep. Without choice, there's no free will. Without free will, there's no love. And let me tell you who God is. God is love. Because of free will, we can choose love. We can choose him. We can choose life. We can choose righteousness. We can choose compassion. We can choose empathy. We can choose understanding. We can choose kindness. We can choose patience. Any of you realize, any of you have ever thought about this, but how many of you realize that the fruit of the Spirit, they are not gifts? A lot of people don't understand the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, guess what those are? Those are gifts. The fruit of the Spirit, guess what they're not? They're not gifts. Here's the thing. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know those, right? You do realize that they're a choice, right? These are things that we choose to do. Let me prove it. How many of you sometimes have to choose to love? Especially like those self-absorbed people? You find yourself having to choose to love. How many of yourself, how many of you sometimes find yourself having to choose to walk in joy? I read a book uh, this past week. What's the name of it? Um, it's not Choose Joy. It's something joy. Uh, about... Um, What's her name? I can't remember. <laughs> it's great. Uh, uh, <laughs> tell her I'm pulling this right out of the air. <laughs> Fight back with joy. That's what it's called. Good book. Um, she she wrote this book. Uh, this woman got got breast cancer and and uh, as a believer, not didn't necessarily believe in in healing per se, but by the end of it, she was saying that God still does the miraculous, and so it obviously did something in her, but talked about hearing the news of having cancer, that it was serious, that she was immediately going to have to, you know, go through chemo and then surgery and all these things, and that the choice that she made was joy, that she would be thankful for who God was in her life and for all that he'd given her, regardless of how many days that meant she had left, and I thought, that's powerful. And sometimes we have to choose joy. How many times do we have to choose patience? That's a hard one, right? How many times we got to choose to be kind? When you don't say it out loud, but you think, I'm just going to hold my tongue. And we have to choose to be faithful, right? We got to choose to be gentle. How many of you know that self control? is a choice. The fruit of the Spirit are not gifts. They're choice, choice that we have. We choose them because they are the essence of our God and because we live to serve and to please Him. So remembering that without choice, there's no free will. But with, with choice is the freedom to also walk in selfish ambition. 
I believe that it can be shown that selfishness is the root of all sin. And I want to go back for just a minute, if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go back to the garden, and something just kind of hit me this, this last week as I was looking at this, because obviously that's where, we see, that's where we see selfishness for the first time in humanity, right, is in the garden. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so she looks at it and goes, hmm, that looks good, right? And that it was a delight to the eyes. Man, that's some good-looking fruit. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. How did she know this? It was the serpent, wasn't it? A serpent told her. Said, the tree will make you wise, make you like God. She then took the fruit, took of its fruit, and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. I was thinking about Adam and Eve. Y'all realize that just like Lucifer, Adam and Eve were created perfect, right? Here's the thing. We know that Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature, correct? So you realize it wasn't hard for them to choose not to sin. They were like Jesus. They were easily able to walk out this life and not sin. They potentially were created to live forever and never sin. But all of that changed, right? As soon as Adam made that choice to sin, we know that human nature was profoundly changed forever. Now man was not able to not sin. Does that make sense? Can you see past my double negative? Man was not able to not sin. Humans could not stop sinning. In the fall, humanity lost its freedom to choose not to sin. Does this make sense? So Romans 8. In Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, it says... For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it, what? Cannot. This is the way we were born. It's not a matter of wanting so badly to not sin and to not break God's law. There there was no choice in the matter. Human nature was changed. We are born into this world hostile to God and absolutely cannot submit to his law. And those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Cannot please God. Do you see here how humanity lost its freedom to choose? Lost its freedom of choice? How many of you have heard of Lee Strobel? You read the book or saw the movie, The Case for Christ? Lee Strobel said, moral evil is the immorality and pain and suffering and tragedy that come because we choose to be selfish, arrogant, uncaring, hateful, and abusive. So, selfishness. How many of you know that selfishness is often expressed by 
building oneself up while tearing others down, right? That's what we see so often. That's what we see going on in our world today. One group building itself up by tearing another down. Galatians 5.20 calls this one of the works of the flesh. And James 3.16 says it leads to disorder and every evil practice. What does? That the Lee Strobel talked about. Selfishness, arrogance, uncaring, hateful, abusive. These things lead to every evil work. Selfishness. We know that it was selfishness that caused the children of Israel to willingly, the Bible says, willingly put God to the test by demanding food. We know that selfishness caused the rich young ruler to turn his back on Jesus, right? It was self. Jesus knew exactly what was important. He knew exactly what was wrapped up in the rich young ruler's heart. And he called him out on it, didn't he? Selfishness ruins relationships. How many of you have seen that before? You've seen it in your life. Selfishness ruins relationships. Guys, on every level, from the times we're children to all the time when we're adults, let me tell you. I'll just say it like this. Divorce. It's selfishness. In some way, one way or the other, in somebody or both, it's selfishness. That causes it. It breaks down relationships, doesn't it? We know that James tells us that selfishness hinders prayers. I'll tell you a good example of that. It's when we find ourselves only praying when we want something. How many of us have been guilty of that before? (laughs) We find ourselves praying earnestly when we need something all of a sudden. But not any other time. That's selfishness. And how can we expect God to only answer those prayers? It's like your kid growing up. We know when our kids are young, they're, you know, they're, when they come to us and open their mouths, many times it's going to be because they want something, right? But if they're now in their 30s and 40s and they still only come to us because they want something, something's wrong, right? It's selfishness. And it makes it difficult for us to grant those needs and requests, doesn't it? It can make us bitter inside when somebody only comes to us when they want something from us. We know that selfishness is the product, it says again there in James, of earthly carnal wisdom. How many of you know, our society today tells us that it's okay. It's all about you. You deserve a break today. Who is that, McDonald's? McDonald's, you deserve a break today. Me? Awesome. No thank you to the Big Mac. But that is what our society tells us. And that's what marketing and commercial, commercialism has told us. You deserve it. You deserve a break. You deserve a vacation. You deserve a burger. Yes, you do. It's like, well, aren't I special? It's a product of earthly carnal wisdom. And we buy into this stuff. Selfishness is a byproduct of free will, which all humanity became bound to because of Adam's sin. Amen? So, talked about number one, selfishness is not unique to humanity. It's nothing new. Number two, selfishness is the byproduct of free will. Free will is a great thing. With it, we choose God. 
but it has some uh, other little things there that come along with it. Number three, lastly, selfishness reveals our need for a Savior. Selfishness reveals our need for a Savior. As human beings, our selfishness and our inability to not sin shows us how much we need Jesus. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because actually I'm going to devote next week to talking about the new creation. But, you know, we tend to get angry because of the current condition of the world, of people in the world today, and even people in the church. However, I present to you that maybe it should inspire us. You know, after all, all the screaming and the yelling and the name-calling and the hatred and all these things we see today, really it just confirms, it reaffirms in us our spiritual job security. God still has a job for us. It applies today more than ever. But yet, most of the church selfishly sits back and does nothing and doesn't share this most incredible gift of all creation that's been placed within us. And we hold it and we keep it to ourselves. How many of you agree the world is dark? It's not a time to hold on to the light. It affirms what, to what, God, it affirms what God has called us to do. People need Jesus. The more selfish we see, the more selfishness we see, the more it should inspire us to share the love of Jesus and to give ourselves away. I have one more scripture I want to share, and I, I read this this week. I'd read it before, but I'd never read it from the Message Bible. I thought this was powerful, especially for us as believers, because really in this whole message, I've, I've really been more talking about the unbeliever, um, though there's parts of it that apply to us, and I'll talk about that further in a couple of weeks. But Philippians 2, um, verses 1 through 4 from the Message Bible. Paul says, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ... If his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, pretty strong there, he says, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. That's massive today, right? Just to agree. And actually, what this really means, if you look at other versions, it basically just means be peaceable. We're not to always be arguing and tearing down and beating up and name-calling. Agree, be peaceable with one another. Love one another. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. And this last line, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. How many of you know the world would be a much better place if we just did that last statement? Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. How many of you know to do this, combating the sin of selfishness requires humility, and we don't see nearly enough humility today. Simple humility will absolutely restore relationship. It involves being humble, um, being humble involves having a true perspective of ourselves in relation to God. 
It says in Romans 12, 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Guys, we've got to walk in humility. How many of you know that having that relationship with the Lord, prayer, being in his word, is necessary as well? Psalm 119.36 says, Turn my heart toward your statutes, not toward selfish gain. I don't know about you, but I find that myself and my heart, sometimes there's a little too much selfish gain. And what's the answer to that? To turn my heart toward God, toward his statutes. The Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. That includes our selfishness, doesn't it? And it says if we are, that we are to be truly devoted to one another in brotherly love. To do this, we can't be selfish. Having the attitude of Christ means to demonstrate tenderness and compassion for every person that we come in contact with. As believers, we can't give any room to this because how many of you agree that selfishness, selfish ambition has crept into the church? Absolutely has. And we've got to make sure that we don't allow any room for it. Billy Graham said, many churches of all persuasions are hiring research agencies to poll neighborhoods asking what kind of church they prefer. Then the local churches design themselves to fit the desires of the people. The true faith in, uh, true faith in God that demands selfishness selflessness is being replaced by a trendy religion that serves self. Question is, what are you full of? We said you're full of it, right? Like I said last week, your spouse knows. If you're unsure, ask them. You might have to beg them to be honest with you because they may be afraid of upsetting you. The people around us closest to us, they know. What have we got to do? We've got to surrender our heart to Christ. We talked about last week how often people say, well, God knows my heart. And yes, he does. He knows every thought, every intention, every motivation. And that should inspire us to change. It should inspire us to be selfless. It should inspire us to take action. We do that by being more like Jesus. We know that Jesus was full of God's word. He lived it. He knew it. He regularly got alone and prayed, spending time with the Father. He was full of love and compassion, always putting others before himself and ultimately sacrificing, sacrificing himself for others. We know that he lived a life of worship and that everything he did pointed to the Father. That's exactly the way we're supposed to live as well. So one of the things I wanted to do was fill the barrel. I called Pastor Ray. I called his wife, Tam, and I said, what needs do you all have at the food pantry? Guys, let's fill the barrel up. Let's start there. That's an easy way to step outside of ourselves for just a minute. Uh, that means you might have to get up a few minutes earlier on Sunday morning or Saturday night. You might have to get your bag of stuff together. Can we step outside of ourselves long enough to grab a few things out of our pantry and to carry them to church? Very, very small step. First step. But I say that we do that. And, you know, you know, you know the antidote to materialism? Giving. How many of you sometimes see a little bit too much materialism in your heart? We care a, little too much, care a little too much about stuff. Give more. You'll find that as you give more, that materialism will begin to go. 
We've got four weeks to fill that up. Um, we're going to give that to them, and we're going to bless the food pantry. And I'm setting up some times with them that those who want to can go out there and help distribute. Because the cool thing, like I say, Pastor Ray's wife, Tam, she runs that. And every person that comes through there to get a, a box of food, they stop and talk to them and make sure that they receive Christ. They, they ask them what their needs are, and they pray with them. How many of you would like to be a part of that? I think that would be awesome. And so we're going to set up some time so those who want to can actually go over to the food pantry some and begin to help out with that. We've got to stop looking inside at ourselves so much. My life, my busyness, my needs, my whatever, my whatever it may be. We've got to start looking, opening our eyes a little bit and looking around us. Because God has placed you where you are in the circle of friends, in the circle of the community that you're in for this time, for a purpose. We can't let that pass by. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as I start concluding here. But let me say this, guys. What was in Jesus' heart, what was in Jesus' heart came out in his life. What's in our hearts comes out in our life too. And this is why Jesus told his followers that You'll know believers, you'll know people who have put their trust in me by the fruit of their life, by what comes out of their mouth, by the way they act and react. What have you filled yourself with? Jesus said that what's inside of us will come out. I said this last week, I think it's time for the church to quit pretending to be, uh, to be something we're not. I think it's time for us to be real and to stand up even to expose our hearts firstly before God and say, God, I recognize when I get squeezed, the stuff that comes out, it's not of you. It's of the world. I recognize that there's way too much of me in there and way too little of you. It's time for us to expose ourselves to the world, to expose ourselves to God, expose ourselves for the church, admit that we're fallible, to take down the facade, to take off the masks and say, hey, I love the Lord of all that I am. And I'm going to follow him day by day. And I'm going to be open to the correction that he brings, like the testimony that our elder Jerry gave this morning. How many of you know that's a hard thing? That, guys, come on. That's a hard thing. How many of us would truly be open if somebody came to us that, that loved us and got in our face for a minute and said, you've got to deal with your heart? That's hard. But have you know that that's exactly what the Word of God does? It gets in our face. That's why, in many ways, it's so hated by our society today. Like, hate what the Word of God says because it's in your face. It exposes the hidden areas, it exposes our excuses. It exposes self. And that is what makes it tough sometimes when our heart is not fully devoted and surrendered to God. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. Whether you're here with us, whether you're watching live online, if you realize when you're squeezed, when the pressure's on, if you realize that it's not Jesus coming out, when you realize it's not the fruit of the Spirit that comes forth, when you realize that you're full of things other than that, and this is your moment. 
you realize that you're full of self, the first thing you've got to do is surrender it. Surrendering your life to Christ, asking him to come into your heart, that's called being born again. I'm not talking right now about the way you live your life. I'm not talking about your weaknesses or your failures, but you do have to be born again. You've got your whole life for God to deal with those things in your heart and life. You'll walk that out every day. But the first step is you must be born again. Jesus made it abundantly clear. If we don't receive Christ, allow him to fill us and to embrace us. It says that we will die utterly alone in darkness. Separated from God for all eternity. But if we do receive Christ, if we surrender our life to him, it says in 1 Peter 1, 4, that we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. So first and foremost, where are you headed? This world is going to pass away. Where will you spend your eternity? Who will you belong to? When you take your last breath, will you find yourself standing in the presence of God? Or will you find yourself separated eternally from Him, from all that is good, separated from the very essence of love? How are we born again? Romans 10 tells us we confess Jesus as master of our life and believe that God raised Him from the dead, that we will be saved. How do we confess with our life? We confess with our words. But I submit to you, we confess with the fruit of our life too, by the way that we walk. Is our life truly surrendered to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords? Maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but you realize that much of your life as a believer, especially you as you come to church and interact with other believers, you recognize that you've had a mask on. Maybe you've had a mask on for a long time, not being real. You recognize that self is what's really in charge of your heart. You can come in and you can hallelujah and you can drop money in the bucket, but you know what's really in your heart. And you recognize today that that's got to be dealt with. And this is your moment too. All you've got to do is resurrender. We say, God, I repent for the way that I've lived. I repent for not putting you first. I repent for putting myself before you. Confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I put myself aside and I choose to live for you from this day forward. Either way, whether you've never given your life, surrendered your life before, or if you need to do it in this moment, all you've got to do is change the position of your heart. And so I would encourage you before we pray for just a moment, every eye closed, I want you to look at your heart for just a moment. What is in there? What are you full of? It's a pretty good idea of where you stand with God. Of course, nobody's perfect. But are you moving forward? Does it grieve your heart when you fail Him? What are you full of? What comes out of you when things get tough? need to be more full of him, which is all of us here, 
I want you to pray with us. But if you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord or you recognize that you really need to get things right today with every head bowed, I want you to just lift your hand for just a moment. Say, I've got to get things right today. Who else would say, I need to get things right today? I'll acknowledge you when I see you. Who would say, I've got to get my life right before the Lord today? I've got to surrender my heart to Jesus. Okay. We're going to pray together. And for the one that raised their hand, I just, again, I encourage you. Just expose your heart before the Lord for a moment. Sense and feel his presence. As we say these words, mean with all your heart. Let's all say together. Heavenly Father, I need you. I recognize my need for Jesus. There is way too much of me and far too little of you. And I need to surrender. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm sorry for thinking I know it all. sorry for putting myself before you. Today, I say that I trust you. I devote myself to you. I give you the reins of my life, and I call you my master. I call you my Lord. I will go where you say go, and I will do what you say do, regardless of how I feel. Regardless of how things look, I'll follow you because you're my Savior. Jesus, you gave your life for me. You paid the price for me. And I accept your sacrifice as my own. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Lead me, guide me, empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I will serve you all the days of my life. Use me to point others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you. I thank you for those who rededicated their hearts to you today, whether here or watching online or even watching the video at a later date. I just pray, Lord, that you would surround them by godly influences that will lead them in the right direction, that will speak the truth to them in love, that will build them and encourage them up, that will hold them accountable. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them. Their heart would be soft and tender. They would be able to hear your voice and they'd be quick to listen and quick to obey that you would use them to do exactly what you created them to do. Maybe they be in a blessing and an inspiration to every person they come in contact with. And Lord, I pray that for all of us as we go forth. Lord, our prayer is less of us and more of you. Let's just stand together and just begin to meditate on that for just a moment with your eyes closed. Just begin to say it. Begin to say it to yourself, less of me, Lord, and more of you. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you fresh and new again. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with us, that you are our strength, you're our comforter. You always point to the Father. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shine through us, that everything that we do, everything that we say, every step that we take would point to Jesus. 
God, I thank you that you do shine that light of illumination in our hearts, that you would point out those areas that are still full of stuff, of selfish stuff. God, that we would be open because we love you. We would be open to your correction coming from your word or coming through those that you send across our path. Because, Lord, we want to be effective in service for you. We want to be used by you. We want, Lord, to do everything that you've called us to do. Lord, more of you and less of us. More of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.